This is the Sneaky Plays Podcast, presented by JokerMag.com. Welcome to the Sneaky Plays Podcast, everybody. I'm Chris Morris, joined here by Dom Fierro, fresh off of a uh, thrilling weekend of college hoops, Sweet 16 Elite Eight. I thought it was much better than the, uh, than the previous weekend's action. Uh, so, Dom, how you doing? Oh, you know, great, working crazy, but, you know, always have time for this podcast. Uh, Miles Powell is officially an All-American, so that made oh, it. was. I didn't see it. What do you get, second team? An honorable mention, which honorable I thought was a little unfair, okay. but <laughs> I thought maybe second team was the spot for him. Wait, they do – is there – is it first, second, third, and honorable, or is it first and second and then honorable? I think it's first, second, and honorable, but I'm not – sure about that yeah i only saw the first team i saw it was zion and yeah. Barrett, uh morant um grant williams and who was the last spot i didn't see who else remember. there was one there's one guy i'm forgetting who was on the oh cassius winston yeah um, but that was the first team that was the only team i saw either way he does have the all-american status he'll be going for first team next year when he comes back so it'll be uh you know it's a good day got to hear that nice and early so how about you? How is uh how is your Phillies kind of going? And oh, everything is right now. Everything is wonderful in Philly world over here. Uh, weekend could not have gone any better. Um, I'm watching Mike Alfranco jack a home run right as we speak. Uh, you can probably hear my roommate there in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Just blasted one. It's third of the year already. Um, yeah, man, this is it, it's such a thrill to have baseball back in this city. Um, I mean, people are just head over heels obviously you're getting the major overreactions already you know this team's gonna win 100 games you're going to the world series blah 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 and you know it's obviously you want to let people have fun but at some point we're probably gonna have to come back down to reality a little bit now i still expect this team to win 90 plus games and certainly contend for the postseason and what's going to be a really competitive division but starting off the year with a sweep over a division rival that won the division last year um couldn't have gone any better i mean Harper, two homers, everybody. I mean, the other new additions, McCutcheon starting off the season with a homer. Real Muto looking good. Uh, Segura was a little bit quiet, and Robertson got hit a little bit in his first outing, but that's fine. I mean, the other guys picked him up. And it's better now, you know, the holdover guys that were, you know, sort of the faces of our of the bad teams over the last couple of years, Franco and Herrera and Cesar Hernandez. I mean, these guys are now, you know, much better, obviously, as a six, seven, and eight spot in the lineup than they would be, you know, one, two, three, which is what they were hitting the last three years. Um, so they can settle into much more comfortable roles. And yeah, man, I mean, this team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm still a little concerned about the pitching for the whole season. I, I still think they're going to need to add an arm or two if they really want to be serious contenders. But I mean, they're going to be able to outslug teams more often than not. Um, I mean, we saw that with, I think they scored 23 runs over the weekend. Um, and yeah, I mean, the energy in that, in that ballpark, I was there on Saturday. It was just, it, it was, you know, reminiscent of, of the heyday from 2007 to 11 when they won, you know, five straight division titles. Um, it's, it's so great to have that back here. Yeah. Well, the Yankees lost a series to the Orioles. Uh, <laughs> I don't worry too much about it. your whole team's banged up too. Yeah. So it's a hot start to the season. But, yeah. You know, it is what it is. So let's talk about this past weekend. So, Sweet 16, I thought it was boring on Thursday night. Excellent Friday night. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Well, Thursday night had the one – there was the one really good game, but the other three were kind of stinkers. Oh, they were. Yeah, the – what was it? Yeah, the Purdue-Tennessee game was, was really good. That, but even that was like – But even that was like – Yeah, Purdue was kind of blowing them out for most of it, and then Tennessee, yeah. you know, made the crazy rally. And it got exciting, but, you know, three-fourths of that game, it was kind of like a – yeah, and Tennessee was kind of what we talked about, you know, towards the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. They're beatable. They kind of take plays off. They do this. They do that. Yeah. You know, and it showed. And, you know, granted, they did bully their way back into it. But, you know, I think it's sad that <laughs> Tennessee lost. I really do like them. Uh, I thought they played they played really well most of the season. And it's really sad to see a team like that with who had these huge aspirations last year and loses a heartbreaker to Loyola Chicago. And then, you know, this year it loses like that to Purdue. So it's tough to see them out. But anyways, going, you know, Purdue goes, and then they lose uh, 
in a thriller to Virginia. So yeah, that was well. I mean, we could talk about the the Elite Eight games, obviously, but those were those were fantastic. Yeah, and then this, then what else? The uh, Virginia Tech Duke. I thought yeah, that was that was good. That was good. I can't believe uh, at the end of the game that he misses that tip. I thought for sure you know, that was a perfect play to run. Uh, you know, he was lost. Uh, who was it? Zion, I believe, was covered. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, was Zion. He was absolutely lost on that play. And he's just fading away, at, you know, instead of going to the basket, using the backboard. And the ball doesn't go in. And then Virginia Tech's gone. And Buzz Williams all but gone also. So. Yeah, is Buzz leaving? Yeah, there's big rumors that he's going. Everyone's saying Virginia. Uh, where's he going? Texas A&M. Texas A&M. money at him. All but a done deal, apparently. Jeez, really? Yep. It's kind of surprising. I mean, I I am surprised. Also, I don't think Texas a and is the greatest spot to play. You know, no, it's because it's not at all. Because it's not. It's just not a basketball school. It's yeah, the football exactly. school and their baseball team is also one of the top in the nation every year. So that team's just not. Yeah. It's just not a marquee spot. Yeah. So, but them losing, you know, they're exciting team to watch, Uh, you know, but kudos to Duke for winning another close one that game. Obviously they couldn't do it the next game against Michigan state. Uh, The Texas tech, Michigan game clunker. (laughs) I mean, Oh, that was brutal. You know, it's bad when, we're betting live unders of yeah, no, I, did, I did it too. <laughs> yeah, I hit them at a hundred and I think a hundred and two. I got them at at one point. They were at ninety nine, and I was like, no way. So, but there were there were some good games, but mostly clunkers for Sweet Sixteen, and then the Elite Eight was fantastic. I mean, we'll start with Purdue Virginia. What are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, that was. I mean, pick your you know pick whatever game you want out of the four. I thought all four of them were fantastic you know from start to finish um there was you know high level drama in all of them um yeah the purdue virginia game i mean Carson edwards i mean i don't know what to say about it like <laughs> we were you know i was I, I was you know not not a big purdue guy you weren't either no no way continually, nobody was yeah we continually kind of bashed them like uh you know that nova game was kind of a fluke like i didn't like them going into this tournament you know i really didn't like them all year you know I think they, they won the Big Ten regular season, but just, you know, the games that they played were just ugly. And even, even you know, I listened to some to some podcasts throughout the season, and, you know, there would be experts that would say they would talk to Purdue fans, and they didn't even think this team was that good. Like, how the hell are we winning? Carson Edwards shot, I think, below 40% on the oh, season as a whole. Obviously on a high volume of attempts, but still, you know, was largely a chucker and a misser throughout the whole season. And then to turn in the performance that he did on Saturday night, I mean – Hey, he looked like Steph Curry out there. I mean, I got to give him all the credit in the world. Almost single-handedly carried him to a win. Um, I think he had, what do you have, 42? And, yeah. and I don't think anybody else in the team had more than seven. No, no, no one else had double-digit points in here. Yeah, that's, I mean, incredible. Absolutely incredible. And that was actually a well-played game, unlike the uh, the Virginia-Oregon game where Virginia won in the Sweet 16 matchup, which was also just hideous. Yeah. It, it was close and kind of down to the wire. It was just an ugly, not a pretty game to watch. Um, but that other, I mean, that Elite Eight game was special. Um, and it kind of felt like Virginia had control of it, for, you know, for the majority of the second half. Um, even though Purdue was hanging around there, you know, Edwards went nuts early on and it seemed like Virginia kind of got control of it. And then Purdue, all of a sudden, with this late run, looks like they're going to win. Um, and then, you know, the back tip and all the sequence of events that had to happen um, for, for Virginia to somehow force that game to overtime in the final minutes with the Akita hitting the buzzer beater on, on a tough shot. I mean, yeah, that, that pretty, it wasn't talked about enough. I mean, we talked a lot after the game about Guy and Jerome and their performances, but that shot Diakite hit, I mean, that's not an easy shot for no, a big man. No way. That, kind of the in-betweener, like, that's tough. That's that's one of those shots that you hit, you know, if you have time off the backboard. There's, yeah. You know, you need, he probably makes that shot two out of every ten times. Yeah, and then you can tell he kind of pushed it a little bit, but it was uh-huh. perfect. I mean, and for me, that play at the end where they get the tip back, I think it's smart that they fouled. I'm, I'm a big proponent of fouling up three, you know, and those are the final seconds. Send them to the line. Force them to miss it because nine times out of ten, 
that ball's going through the net somehow. So yeah, no, I I would have done the same thing, and I am uh, I'm not always I'm like fifty fifty on the fouling thing. In that situation, it was good because I think there was only what was it, like four and a half seconds left or something when they fouled. Yeah, still were able to get it off with the tip back and bringing it back in the in the Diakite floater. Um, I don't like it when I think some teams foul too early. Like if you foul with like ten or twelve seconds, I think that's too much because. The other team can just make free throws, and then they foul you again. Now you have to make free throws. But if there's under five seconds, I think you foul. Yeah, no, it's I would have liked a little bit less time. I feel like, uh, you know, you want them to the point where that ball, you know, three seconds. I mean, obviously, I'm not coaching this game, and that game's going a thousand miles per hour for them. But five seconds is a lot of time on the clock. You know, as you can see, you know, plenty of time to get the tip, a quick pass. And there it is, shot in. But for me, it's always foul because <laughs> this this generation of basketball players has been is shooting threes to the point where they start in you know fourth grade, fifth grade, you know, pretty much as soon as they can reach that, you know. Yeah. So for me, at this point, you have to foul because the three the three balls everybody can shoot it. I mean, big men you've seen centers shooting threes lights out. So to me, it was smart for them to foul, uh, and just unfortunate what happened uh, for Purdue, because it it was just one of those games where you just throw your hands up and like, what do we have to do to beat Virginia and go to the Final Four? You know? Yeah, that's no, I hear you. Was and it was a huge loss for Purdue betters because the spread was plus four. Oh, I was gonna say that that, that is an all time bad beat on the spread there. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anything so bad in the tournament. But for me, I had Virginia minus four and a half, so I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't bet on that game. I was glad. One of my one of my roommates did. I was watching with him, and he was freaking out. And he actually had Purdue plus four and a half, and I felt for him after that uh-huh. because even even in overtime, the sequence of events that had to happen, like Virginia goes up three, but then Purdue's got the ball. You're thinking they're going to get the last shot. Like, all right, at the worst, they're going to miss it, and they're going to lose here by three. Yep. Then the ball goes through Edwards' hands and goes out of bounds with two seconds. Then they foul. And then the kid goes to the line. Clark it makes both free throws, and then they're now they're covering. It was such a ridiculous sequence of events that needed to happen. I was I was at the bar watching the game. Yeah, I immediately jumped my mother light. I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, it's so, the world of betting. That's going to be exciting going to Virginia. You haven't seen them in a while, and finally after you know losing the UMBC, obviously it didn't start the tournament too hot against Gardner Webb. Yeah, <laughs> so I wanted it to happen again. It would have been funny if it happened then again, but you know that was a good matchup. I felt like you know, kudos to Purdue, kind of proving everybody wrong. I thought they were mediocre, you know, most yeah. of the season. I didn't think they were really anything, and they they showed up. I didn't absolutely. Think they, I didn't think they deserved the three seed, but hey, you know, I'm more. I have a different story about Auburn, but Purdue. Hey, kudos to you guys. You know. They'll come back hot next year. I'm sure in the Big Ten, as we know, not the greatest basketball up there. Uh, somewhat weak, but you got your Michigan, Michigan State, and they can kind of year after year put together a team, kind of like they had when the Robbie in the Robbie Hummel days, you know? Oh, yeah, that's true. They were, yeah, I guess they went through a little lull um, in the last, you know, five years or so. They're always competitive, but it seemed like this was probably their best team since, uh, yeah, Robbie Hummel, Etwan Moore, those teams. Yeah. Those teams are really good. Yeah, the, the, that team was awesome back in the day, and then mm-hmm. Robbie Hummel tears his ACL, and that they're oh, like seventeen times that kid, that kid played like eight years of college basketball. Yeah. So, <laughs> so but that was to me that was the most exciting game of the, you know, of the of the weekend. Uh, we'll go on to the other exciting game now with Michigan State Duke. Uh, to me, I didn't think Michigan State really stood a chance going into the game. I didn't either. Uh, just I just thought Duke would be too much. Uh, but again, you keep it close against Duke. You don't know what's going to happen. Uh, R.J. Barrett loves to hog the ball at the end of the game. I don't know why. Uh, and that's oh, exactly what you he's thought. tough to watch sometimes. Zion touched the ball like three times in the last five minutes. I know. I mean, I know. What are you doing? I I totally agree. Get the ball to him. I mean, Michigan State was doing a pretty good job, I guess, walling him off. Um, but you still got to get the ball to Zion. The the problem with them is just, I mean, they had no shooting. It was such a flawed two team from, 
you know, an offensive structure standpoint. Yeah. Like the talent, I mean, obviously is always going to be off the charts with the way they play now um, with, you know, coach K going the one and done route. Um, so obviously, I mean, e- even with Reddish having, you know, kind of a down season, you know, they still have loads of talent out there. Just the, the team it never really fit together. I mean, the guys that they relied on to make threes, you know, O'Connell and Jack White. I mean, those guys were pretty much cold all season long, especially, you know, once ACC play started and they were basically just non-factors. Um, in the tournament and then Goldwire, you know, it was kind of a decent yeah. role point for them, but he was more for defense. He couldn't shoot either. Trey Jones. I didn't get it. I like his game all around. I think he's a good, you know, steady, smart point guard. He's a good driver, good passer, but another guy just can't shoot. And then they really needed Cam Reddish to step into that shooter role to surround Barrett and Zion. And he just, you know, was bricking shots all season long um, to where the point, it almost felt like you were more confident in Barrett and Zion taking threes than anybody else and that's not even the strong suit of their games um so it was just a flawed duke team like i I hear you you know not getting the ball to zion enough down the stretch but 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 after watching duke all year i mean even with you know how great they were and getting the number one overall seed in the tournament and and all that just you never really felt like they were you know they weren't quite as good as the sum of their parts should have been i thought all year yeah I i would definitely agree with that uh, Cam Reddish to me was kind of the, the lost child, you know. Yeah, because there wasn't really a spot for him. I mean, he's not—he's—he's he's what R.J. Barrett, you know, he's a shooting guard. Cam Reddish, you know, and I get he's hurt. He was hurt on Sunday. They didn't really know if he was going to play until like half hour before the game. He was like a legit game time decision on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, I love Barrett. I think he's good. If the Knicks drafted him. It'd be awesome. I think it'd be perfect for the next two. But to not give the ball to Zion is to me is just crazy. Especially because he's done it game after game. And they're in close games, he tries to take over the game and it doesn't happen. And you see at the end of the game he goes to the basket and they foul him. I mean, three Michigan State guys fouled him. Yeah. That's what you want. He's a sixty six percent foul shooter and obviously it pays off again. You know, he misses the first one. And then, kind of like I was talking before, the second one tries to miss it intentionally. Yeah. It goes in. Man, it goes you know? in. I know. Because all the pressure is now on him to miss that. And, you know, I don't care how bad of a, of a foul shooter you are, you still, you know, your your body is trained to shoot that to make, you know. It doesn't, yeah. It doesn't matter. So, if you unless, unless you try to just, you know, throw a line drive at, <laughs> at the basket, there's no way. Uh so to me, you know, that's smart in Michigan State. And then Michigan State, that's a whole other story. Uh, I think they're good, obviously. I think they're going to have trouble with this Texas Tech team. Uh, they'll play on Saturday. To me, they got off to a rocky start kind of in that first game, right? Kind of back and forth with Bradley for a while. Bradley led the game for a little bit. You know, so to me, I wouldn't be surprised. I would probably wouldn't be surprised either way if Michigan State went to – national championship or if they ended up losing to Texas Tech. Because uh, I just don't – I don't know what it is about them. I just don't think they're that good. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't think from a talent standpoint, this isn't this isn't even close to one of Michigan's oh, no. better teams. No way. Um, but this team does have, I think, you know, Michigan State teams are always tough and gritty. But this team – I mean, I think this team in particular has a lot of heart. Um, and they've got a guy that, you know, in Cassius Winston that – Yeah, he's a stud. It, it just feels like he always – Coach K said it after the game. He, he's just always going to make the right play when it matters most. I mean, you can have so much confidence in him. It's amazing he's not even a senior. He's only a junior, so he'll be back next year, even being a first-team All-American this year. Um, but, you know, we, we talked about them with all the injuries, you know, with the extra weight put on Winston's shoulders after, uh, after his backcourt mate Langford went down for the season. Um, and then, you know, Nick Ward having to bust it up hand. It looked like he busted it up again in the Sweet 16 game. Um, and then one of their other guys who was at Orange, who was, you know, playing good minutes for them off the bench, blow, breaks his leg in the Big Ten tournament. Um, I mean, all the adversity that team's faced all year. And like you said, yeah, I mean, they were down in, in that first game to Bradley, kind of messed around with them. And that, you know, it's sort of emblematic of what this Michigan State team has been all year, you know. Not really flashy, not really going to blow anybody out of the water, but, you know, just gritty, going to get it done when it matters most. And, they, you know, they made plays down the stretch in that game. Um, and then, you know, they actually got a couple blowouts after that against Minnesota um, and LSU too. But I was with you. I mean, I didn't 
even with how sketchy Duke had kind of looked in the last couple games against UCF and then against Virginia Tech, going right down to the wire, I just thought that this was the game that, you know, the talent would just would just overwhelm a team yeah. like Michigan State, even though, you know, Michigan State fights tooth and nail to the very end. They're, you know, you got to respect them. They got so much toughness about them. I thought the talent would take over, and I was wrong. I mean, you can't underestimate Tom Izzo and those in that program in March um, for what they did. And I agree. I think they're, I think that Texas Tech game is going to be tough. Um, obviously, you know, people are kind of just penciling Michigan State into the uh, into the championship game right now. Texas Tech locks down in defense, man. They're tough to score on. Um, I don't care who you are. I mean, Cassius Winston's obviously a great player, but that's not going to be an easy game at all. No, absolutely. Um, you know, going to let's talk about that Texas Tech game because they really they're grinders. I mean, they're yeah, kinda, you know, they're a little bit more talented in my opinion than Michigan State, but they're just as you know, they're grinders just like Michigan State. They're very tough to score on. Uh, you know, I remember watching the game earlier this year, Duke Texas Tech at MSG, and Duke had trouble scoring. I mean, they ended up winning the game handily, but they had trouble for a good amount of that game trying to get the ball inside into the basket and kind of do things that, you know, you would normally see a Duke team do. They had to kind of score different ways, and Michigan State's going to have to do the same type of thing because Texas Tech is definitely not a team to take lightly. No, not at all. And, I mean, they got probably, the you know, the best NBA prospect left in this tournament in, uh, in Jared Culver. Yeah. So, um, at all four teams, I'd say he probably is. And, you know, they got the other guys, Moretti and Mooney, too, that shoot the heck out of the ball. Um, they're a tough team. They're they're probably the most overlooked team, I'd say, in this Final Four, just because, you know, Virginia, you know, being one of the best teams in the country, Michigan State just beating Duke, Auburn, kind of the Cinderella ride that they're on, and losing Okiki, and then, you know, knocking off all those blue bloods. And Texas Tech kind of just under the radar, slipping in there. You know, not really anybody talking about them, but I think they're as dangerous as anybody. Yeah, and, I mean, kind of look at – they're probably the most battle-tested team to this point. Uh in the NCAA tournament, I mean, they they're a three seed. They, I believe, they played Northern Kentucky the first game. You know who they yeah, who they beat second round. I for who was they it against Buffalo? And, oh, they smashed they Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo. Right, they, uh, the game wasn't even a, even a contest. And then I know say what you want about the Michigan game. I mean, I know it was ugly, but you know they end up winning that game. Uh, you know, yeah, they won that going away. Yeah, and Michigan and Michigan's you know a tough team. I didn't you know like we said all year we didn't think they were great, but. For them to kind of win that game like that, like they did, was you know kind of Texas Tech basketball, you know. Yeah. And then you go and you beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga, arguably one of the best teams in the country, and and really struggled to score. Uh, and that's why I think you know if they can keep it kind of keep it rolling, they're going to be to find themselves in a national championship. You know that would be my pick. I would think is Texas Tech this weekend. But really, to win the whole thing, I I think wow, I think they're I like them. I think they're I think they're the most talented team kind of both on offense and defense. You know? I think they're definitely the best defensive team left. So I'd agree with you there. Because what you well, cause what probably you see, Virginia, yes, but even yeah, I don't know. Virginia's what, best. what you see a lot in the in the final four national championship, and we kind of see it year after year, is points are scored, right? There's every, yeah. every single year the game, I mean you pound the over for a national championship in final four games because that's what's going to happen. But if this Texas Tech team can play defense just like they have been, kind of all tournament, all season, you know, take out that fluke loss to to Nebraska in the Big Ten tournament. Oh, yeah. But this team can could honestly win a national championship, no problem, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I mean, I think they're as dangerous as anybody, too. Um, and I thought they were the better team in that Gonzaga game. Um, I didn't really get to watch the first half of it, you know, I was because I was at the Phillies game. Um, but after that, I mean, the second half, they just sort of seemed, even when it was close and, and tight and Gonzaga was winning, I kind of felt like Texas Tech was going to break through the whole time. There's no panic. Um, yeah, no panic at all. They're they're just they're solid all around, man. Um, and they made big shots when they needed to, and that's I mean, that's why I'm so excited because all four of these teams really just. They they all seem like they've got something special going. I mean, Michigan State, you know, everything they've been through all season, like we said, um, and then beating Duke, too, the presumptive favorite to win the whole thing, going up against the team in Texas Tech, it seems like they're playing with all the confidence in the world. And then you go to the other side in Virginia, you know, being a one seed, um, you know, kind of a good story there, even though I'm not a big Virginia guy, um, breaking through to the Final Four a year after, you know, having the most embarrassing loss you could possibly have, losing to a 16 seed, being the first team ever to do that. 
Um, but they're going up against a team that seems like they've got their own kind of magical carpet ride going on right now in Auburn, beating, you know, three of the biggest and best programs in, in the entire sport in Kansas, even though Kansas was down this year, but then smacking Carolina, and then beating Kentucky too, even without Okiki. Um, I mean, I wouldn't count them out against anybody right now either, including Virginia. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the thing to me is I, Auburn's magic lens is going to run out. I mean, this team was a top 10 team mm-hmm. in the season. And clearly you see, they struggled most of you play, you know, to the point where they're probably not in the tournament if they don't win the SEC championship. Well, they would have been in the tournament. No, I don't, I don't think, I honestly don't think. The only thing they would have been in? I think they no. would have been in. I mean, they struggled in SEC play. Uh, to the point, and you know where he's well, about yeah. conference tournament, they didn't play. They, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee were on the same side of the bracket. There was probably a point where they were flirting with you know being a bubble team, but they kind of, uh, I think they, they they righted the ship a little bit at the end of the regular season because remember they beat Kentucky the or uh, not Kentucky they beat Tennessee the last game of the regular season too, and that's when they sort of started to turn the corner a little bit and then went in the SEC SEC championship, um, just kind of carried that hot streak through. But, I mean, I'm really just fascinated with the matchup in this game, too, because this – talk about contrasting styles. Oh, yeah. A team that wants to play slow and a team that wants to fly up and down the court and jack a ton of threes um, and superb guard play on both sides, but also, you know, different guard play. You got Virginia with, you know, the defense and the shooting, um, you know, and kind of the the heady play of of Guy and Jerome playing at a slower tempo. And then you go to the other side with Harper and and Brown, who, you know, are two of the quickest guards in the country that can both create their own shot from anywhere. Uh, I mean, that's going to be a fascinating matchup. Yeah, it should be. It should be a fun one. Uh, to me, the key to the is going to be if Virginia can get ahead, that they have to keep playing defense. Yeah. And the other key for Auburn is going to be have to make the shots. If they don't make the shots, Virginia is going to capitalize right away. Great rebounding team, great defensive team. And they're going to, you know, they're going to try to kind of run them out, not run them out, you know, actually, but get ahead and kind of put a nail on the call from real early in this game, go to a national championship. So that game to me, you know, I think Virginia wins that game. Uh, I just don't think the magic's going to keep happening for Auburn. I don't think, I think they're playing way above their heads right now. Uh, and kudos to them. I mean, like I said, they were a top 10 team going into the, going into the season. Uh, and then, you know, went from a top 10 team to a bubble team, and then they've made their way. And if it wasn't for New Mexico State completely botching the final possession of uh, that game, Auburn might not even be here. No. So. Uh, yeah, they did botch that. I know. It was atrocious. <laughs> that was funny, too. Yeah, they completely tried to, to piss away that first game against New Mexico State. And just We said, like, a comedy of errors in the final couple minutes. Just every way – you could try to lose a basketball game possible. And then they go and beat three of the biggest programs in the entire country. Yeah. It's, I mean, that North Carolina game to me was, was, that was like the SEC championship. Yeah. That, Tennessee just, just making every three. And, it, and they were banking them at one point too. Like, I mean, what do you do at some point? Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna have to keep happening like that to beat Virginia. Cause Virginia's not going to play around. Uh, so for me, I have Texas Tech and Virginia meeting in the national championship. What do you got? I actually, I have the opposite. I love it. Um, I think as good as Texas Tech is, I think that's going to be a, a really good game. Um, that's the later game too. I think it is. Yeah. So I think that's. I think that could be a game where where Texas Tech could be up early. Um, Michigan State could be struggling to score because you know they really don't have. They really only have one guy that creates a shot for himself and for everybody else, and that's Winston. Um, and, you know, Texas Tech will probably be able to key on him a little bit. But I think – I just believe in this Michigan State team um, with everything they've been through all year and, and beating Duke. Um, I think there's something, there, there's something special going on there. Uh, I think they find a way to gut it out in the end, even if it's not going to be pretty. I think there, there could actually be less points in this game than, you know, like we said, a lot of these Final Four games are usually pound the over in them. Um, I could see this one being a little bit – maybe – not really low scoring, but probably somewhere in you know the low to mid sixties. Um, but I think Michigan State eventually finds a way to pull it out. Yeah. Um, and on the other side, I think the Auburn magic continues, man. I think they got something special going on there too. Um, you know, it's really a bunch of kind of a bunch of no names after Harper and uh, 
and Brown now, now with the loss of Okiki, you know, those three guys are really spearheading it. Um, but they play good defense. They're tough. Uh, they played really tough against Kentucky. Obviously, that's a team they're more, you know, familiar with playing them, you know, in the SEC twice a year. Um, but I just, I don't know. I mean, even though Virginia's in the Final Four, you know, props to them avenging last year, you know, in the best way you possibly can. But I just, I, I haven't even really loved the way they've played the last couple of games. Um, you know, they they had the, the bad first half against Gardner-Webb. They turned it on in the second half. They kind of beat Oklahoma easily. Okay, whatever. It's Oklahoma. Um, I didn't really think they played all that well against Oregon. Uh, defensively, they were good, but they were bricking shots left and right. And Oregon easily could have stole that game if they could have bought a bucket. Um, and then they really got, I mean, you can say what you want. I mean, Carson Edwards had a game of his life, but they really should have lost to Purdue. I mean, you're down three with five seconds left. Yeah. You're not really going to win that game more often than not. So they sort of got a little lucky in that one, too. Um, I just – I think Auburn's got something going with them. Um, and if they're knocking down their threes, especially early, if they're able to get out to a lead, I think Virginia's going to have a lot of trouble clawing back into it. Again, I mean, I think it's going to be a close one. I don't think that they're going to rack up points against Virginia, you know, the way they did against North Carolina or Kansas. Um, and plus they just, you know, because they don't have Okiki either. It's one less offensive offensive weapon they have and they don't have, especially on the interior too. Um but I, I just – I like the way they're playing. I think Bruce Pearl's got these guys locked in. I think they're going to somehow find a way to win that game. I like uh, I like Michigan State and Auburn for the title. Yeah, it will definitely going to be a fun weekend nonetheless, no matter what happens. I mean, it's going to be exciting weekend in the Final Four. It's going to be an excellent national championship, no matter what the matchup is. In my who, who, who you got winning it, too? Texas Tech. You got Tech. All right, you said yeah. that. I got Michigan State. I think Michigan State beats Auburn then, too. So – Someone's going to be wrong. <laughs> Someone's going to be wrong. Yeah. We could both be half wrong, half right, because we got the exact opposite picks. But either way, one of us will be totally wrong Yeah. if the national championship goes to the other side of the bracket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. So kind of stepping away from college basketball real quick, we're going to go some NFL talk because as of yesterday, the – meeting season the ota season ah yes is and the draft season is a bonus so uh first i have to say shout out to tj lang on his retirement one of the great uh packer offensive linemen obviously help us helps the packers win the super bowl back in the day uh he was one of those guys from eastern michigan who was just gritty you know, played nonstop, never let an injury bother him. Uh, I was sad to see when he went to Detroit. Out of all the teams he could have gone to, it had to be the Lions. I get he's a hometown guy, but, man, I love watching him play, especially he had one of the greatest tweets ever uh, after they lose that game to Seattle and the fail Mary with paying, the, you know, find me and pay the refs. So, yeah. <laughs> one of the greatest, probably one of the best, you know, Ever, in my opinion, he was a great Packer. Yeah, he was. He'll he'll definitely get a jer- you know his jersey hung up in Packer Hall of Fame, I would assume. And uh, Jordy Nelson, I mean, oh. <laughs> that one, this one, he hits deep because he was one of the all-time you know greats. I Best mean, white receiver of our generation, probably. Yeah, him and I mean, Wes Welker, I'd say. There's a lot of guys ahead of him in Packer. You know, there's Donald Driver, uh, Sterling Sharp. You know, those guys, you know, the key, like the big-time Packer receivers are ahead of them. And he's like fourth or fifth in like yards or touchdowns or some sort of category. But he's up there in every category in top ten. Uh, I mean, one of the best for the Packers for Kansas State. Uh, wasn't really expected to be much, I believe, as a Packer back when he was drafted. And, you know, has a touchdown in a Super Bowl against the Steelers uh, and kind of – was Aaron Rodgers' dude, you know? So it's sad to see him retire. I was kind of hoping he would, you know, they would take a flyer on him, maybe bring him back in some sort of role like they did with James Jones. But, you know, congratulations on your retirement. And then Randall Cobb and Clay Mack, obviously. Randall Cobb signed with the Cowboys. And then Clay Matthews is going back to L.A. to play with the Rams. Randall Cobb, I'm not, you know, I care less about Randall Cobb, although he did have some huge catches for the Packers. One sent him to uh, to the playoffs after in a Week 17 matchup against the Oh, right, the Bears. against the Bears. Remember Aaron Rodgers comes back Week 17. 
throws an absolute bomb to Rodgers. I mean, to Cobb. Cobb brings in the end zone. And one of the best, one of the greatest plays, I think, in Packers history to this point. Uh, and then, you know, Clay Matthews, obviously, on the downfall. You know, Packers picked up two younger linebackers in free agency. But, I mean, you know, you can attest to this. He made the year that won the Super Bowl. I mean, he made a fool out of teams, especially the Eagles twice. That oh, yeah. He was, all in Mike, <laughs> he was all in Mike Vick's face that day. Yeah, so. Winston Justice, our bum-ass right tackle, I remember, <laughs> who I'll never forget. More famously known for giving up six sacks on Sunday Night Football one year. That's a different story. But, yeah, he had no chance of blocking Clay Matthews in that game. Yeah, it was you – know, so it's sad to see them go also. But they'll have – you know, they'll be good for their other teams. I hope not as good as the Packers, but, you know, good luck to them. With the Cow- Actually, I don't hope – I wish Randall Cobb no luck. With the yeah, no luck to Cobb, especially because he's in my division now. Yeah, but, you know, Clay Matthews, you know, best of luck going back home to L.A. Uh, yeah. And then your team, the Philadelphia Eagles, with a recent trade, you know, of uh, Jordan Howard for, what was it, a six-round pick, I believe? Six-rounder that could become uh, fifth, fifth, right? With, yeah, with, uh, if he meets, you know, the playing time requirements and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I like the move. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't like it. Um, you know, we needed a running back desperately. I, I couldn't go through another season of the uh, of the Smallwood, Adams, Clement triumphant that uh was was so great all last season um we needed somebody back there obviously you know we won the super bowl two years ago it was blunt and then a jai that we picked up mid-season kind of you know spearheading the the ground attack um and you know howard fits that mold he's i don't think he's quite obviously a got hurt last season he was you know going to be the main guy towards acl earlier in the season which was unfortunate um, and then, you know, Blunt let go in, for, in free agency. Um, and Blunt's probably just kind of washed at this point, too. He's a little over 30. Um, but they, they, they needed a guy that fit that mold, that fit that bell cow, you know, first and second down. Um, I'm going to control the line of scrimmage. I'm going to get downhill, get you three, four tough yards, and get you in third and manageable. They didn't have that last year. Um, and that was, you know, that was a signature part of winning the Super Bowl. I think they had a top five rushing offense that year. Even though they didn't have, you know, one guy necessarily that was dominating the ground. You know, you had two big beasts back there and Blunt and Ajay that could carry the workload, that could each get, you know, eight, 12 carries a game. Um, and then, it, you know, made life easier for guys like uh, like Sproles, who got hurt that year, but early in the year was still good. And then Clement, who could, you know, kind of settle more into that third down back role. You know, last year you're asking guys like Smallwood and Clement just to just to take on big, bigger roles that they weren't weren't really capable of. Um, so Howard gives him a much, you know, much more viable option. Um, I will say his, his play has kind of declined every season. Um, now, you know, there's definitely, you know, excuses and reasons for that. Um, he had a huge rookie season. I think he had over 1,300 yards, over five yards of carry playing in the, in the John Fox kind of grounded pound system. Um, had a big year even in his second year, uh, Trubisky's rookie year under Fox too. Ran for over 1,000 yards. Yards per carry dipped a little bit, I think, to like, Four three, four four, maybe, uh, but still productive for the most part. Um, and then last year was really kind of a down year for them or for him. Um, obviously, the Bears took off and and had a great season, um, a resurgence season under under Nagy um, and all the changes he made on that offense and getting the most out of Trubisky. Um, but you could see sort of as the year went along. I mean, Tariq Cohen just fit what they wanted to do a lot more. You know, a lot of spread, a lot of motion. Um, you know, Cohen really, you know, an electrifying player out of the backfield, kind of in that, that Darren Sproles type, um, you know, the quick, small guy that can, that can get, get, get carries, get him in open space. Um, and they just used him a lot more. Howard came on a little bit more towards the end of the year in December, you know, when the weather got colder, they needed to run the ball a little bit more. He definitely was a little bit more part of the offense. Um, but all in all, didn't really, you know, just, just didn't fit everything that they really wanted to do at his worst year. They get under four yards of carry, but I, I do think, I mean, he'll be much better with us. I don't expect him to, you know, come in here, run for over a thousand yards just because that's not really, you know, the style the Eagles want to want to play. They don't want to just pound one guy to death and, you know, forget about everybody else. They want to use multiple running backs, um, you know, in more of a system. We're still waiting for possibly Darren Sproles to come back for one more year. Um, I still fully expect him to draft somebody too that's probably going to eat into some playing time. And he's not really much of a pass catcher, which, you know, they kind of need to. Um, 
but definitely a bell cow that, that they've been missing for, you know, last season. Um, so he's definitely going to help and they definitely needed somebody back there. That's a little bit more steady and it's, you know, had proven success and he's young too. So, even though he's coming all kind of a down season, um, you know, there's no reason in a, in a change of scenery, uh, change of offense that, you know, he can't get back to, to his first and second year form. Yeah. I'm just happy to see him out of the NFC North. <laughs> you know, he, he killed the Packers. He, he was he? a backer killer. So yeah. happy to see him out. Uh, I think he'll succeed with the Eagles. You know, like you said, he's a young guy. Different. It was just, I felt like, you know, Matt Nagy coming in there and changing the way the offenses ran. You know, it was more of a Tariq Cohen kind of offense than it was a Jordan Howard running yeah. north and south. So, to me, I think he'll he'll play well for the Eagles. I think it's a really good pickup, especially for nothing. I mean, I don't know what the Bears were thinking there, but I don't know. <laughs> why anybody in the world would trade somebody for at most a fifth round pick, but yeah, I mean, I sounded like they just didn't they they didn't want yeah, it. I think uh, you know, kind of they had accepted sort of at the end of the season, like all right, this guy, you know, he's just not really in our plans. He doesn't fit what we want to do. He's going to be a free agent at the end of next year anyway. So let's just let's just give him up. Um, and they signed uh they signed Mike Davis to be kind of their other their their power back version i guess who uh actually had a pretty good year last year with seattle when he played um guy that i think is decent but you know if you're choosing between the two i'd rather have jordan howard yeah i would say i would say that also um you know so kind of going to other nfl news and notes uh unless this was an april fool's joke which it very well could have been but if it wasn't (laughs) uh giants are talking about extending eli manning Oh, I don't think it is an April Fool's joke. I don't think it was either. I think it's a very cruel truth. <laughs> but I think it's hilarious either way, whether it was an April Fool's joke or not. <laughs> uh, if they extend him, they're just stupid. I mean, how how do you extend some guy who's going to – who just is a mediocre who's not good? It's it's amazing to me. <laughs> Odell threw the ball better down oh, the field than April no, I'm, I'm going to get to Odell in a second with this press conference and <laughs> – Oh, yeah, that was entertaining. I watched like two oh. seconds of that, and I was like, all right, I'm out. sounded like a bunch of chicks watching a sack. They did. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Oh, that is a Hollywood show waiting to happen. <laughs> Baker with Jarvis and, and Jarvis is crying to John Dorsey. He's crying. <laughs> <laughs> He's crying. You're out. You're, you're done He's already. He's crying to Freddie Kitchens. I mean, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you Oh man, I think they're going to be fun to watch. Although they are going to be yeah. quite diva, diva. Yeah, when Friday night fights on on a Sunday at two two thirty in the <laughs> afternoon, it's going to be a lot of fun. Odell <laughs> the water cooler, Odell and Jarvis, Jarvis. God knows what. I mean, that yeah. seems just nuts. And <laughs> I don't know the press conference yesterday with Jarvis admitting that he cried to three or four different men because uh, his best friend got traded to. Uh, his team has kind of really just put me over the edge. Now I oh, they've, they've been buddies since college, man. You gotta get all right, it. but like <laughs> you don't need to see that. I, we were buddies in college too, and if I, if I play for, you wouldn't you wouldn't cry tears of if, joy if I moved if I played for the Detroit Tigers and you got traded there. I'm not crying to five different guys <laughs> over over you getting traded there. I mean, my God, come on, <laughs> come on, get a grip. No, yeah. I hear you. I'm, I'm tired white. of them already. You got, oh, God. you got Odell then talking, you know, way back in college, we were talking about gold jackets and records <laughs> and the, oh, good. So I'm glad you'll never win a Super Bowl because you don't want to talk about that. I mean, it's. Oh, they're going to be good, though, man. Yeah. We can't say they're not going to be good. I know they're the Browns, but they came on oh. last year. And just, you can look at all the talent they've had. I'm already over them. I hope they go Owen. You're oh, I really oh, no. I hope it oh, I hope they take give the Cle- the city of Cleveland yeah. something to root for after in the post LeBron. Yeah, they got LeBron's championship. They just need another fifty or so years until anything. No. <laughs> I don't Indians, I don't care about them. The Cavs, I hope they suffer forever. You know, uh, the Browns, I don't want to hear a single thing about them this year with them in big ball games. I hope they lose every single game. I cannot stand you know, that press conference to me was just wow. That really, that really left a bad yeah. taste in your mouth. Oh, I just, man, you are so out. I mean, and then, how are you? This. How are you, an NFL receiver, and going to admit to crying to three guys? I mean, if I'm a defensive back, I'm eating that up right there. I mean, I'm doing pout and I. Oh, you know they're good. I mean, 
Yeah. How do you do? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> no, I hear you. I mean, the whole thing was a little overblown. I only watched like two minutes of it, but I did see that part. Um, they're emotional guys, you know. They're uh, good emotional guys. I don't, you know, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I mean, the whole Jarvis was entertaining in Hard Knocks with the whole bless him thing and so you know his speech. You could kind of see he's a little, he's a little diva wide receiver ish. You know, that wasn't really that hard to tell. And obviously, you know, we've seen Odell's antics for years now. So uh, yeah, they're a match made in heaven, man. It doesn't shock me that they're best buds and. uh Baker's got his hands full, but I think if there's anybody that can handle it, it's Baker. You know, he's a young kind of hotshot guy himself. Oh, yeah, Baker. Uh, yeah, he's the guy. I mean, you don't want to stick those two with Big Ben <laughs> or with Eli or with, you know, Brady, you know, someone that's not going to put up with their shit, some old fart that's been doing it forever. You know, Baker's the right guy to pair him with. I, they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah. I, I, really, I think they're going to be good. They got they got the quarterback that grabbed his crotch in college. I can't. <laughs> they got the the Jarvis Landry who seems to cry at anybody says hi to him. <laughs> you got Odell who proposes to water coolers. Yeah, that's gonna go. Just that's just. Oh man. Oh, uh, then you got Kareem Hunt too coming. Oh uh, yeah. Add that to the next time. <laughs> what a crew. <laughs> what a crew. I'm excited though, man. They're gonna be must watch this year. I can't wait. Oh yeah, it's definitely the sideline's gonna be more must watch than anything. <laughs> getting getting back to Eli though, real quick. Uh, Dave Gettleman, just just keep him coming, yeah, man. Tear him apart. Keep, keep keep blessing us. Let freedom ring, Dave Gettleman. I I give Eli as much money as you want. If if they skip on Dwayne Haskins this year, I don't know how anybody can buy a ticket to the Giants. I, yeah. I don't know because there's there's no excuse to having Eli be your quarterback again. Maybe he's yeah. got unity there. It seems like it's it's just it's not good. I, what are you doing? <laughs> I love it. Just you know, I love I love the dysfunction in the division. Um, it looks like you know again, it's probably headed for for Eagles Cowboys for the division again. Um, and even you know, as talented as the Cowboys are, I mean they're poorly run too. I mean I think I can say safely say you know, not even being biased or a homer, I would say the Eagles are far cutting away the most well run organization in that division. Yeah, I mean. The other team in the division, I mean, we might as well just talk about the whole NFC East right now. Like, was extending yeah. Randy get Gregory. What are you doing? Oh, I, my God, I know. I saw the guy, that today. He's suspended again. He gets suspended every I mean, season. the guy couldn't stay sober. The life depended on him. Unbelievable. I, I thought I had to check my eyes when I saw that. I was like, is that serious? That's a real That's, that's a, a real – that's April 2nd. There's no April Fool's there. Yeah, there's no April Fool's. What the hell? I mean, God, Jerry, I, I mean – Look, we, we we mocked him and ridiculed him for the Amari Cooper trade last year, and that probably turned out a little bit better than everybody thought it would, um, even though he was a little quieter kind of towards the end of the season. But there's no doubt the talent there. Um, and, and, you know, he seemed to thrive, you know, playing in, in an offense that's, you know, predominantly run heavy. Um, they can get the play-action game working. Um, but, you know, some of the other moves they've made, I mean, it's just always – I mean, they don't care about the off-field no. issues. They just go with talent. All day, every day, over everything, no matter you know who it is, and I don't know how you can extend a guy that just he can't stay on the field. I mean, he's good, yeah, no doubt, but what's he going to be suspended for six to eight to ten more games this year, right? It's, and it's suspended. It's off the field. He can't stay on the field because he smokes weed. It's not. Anything else. Yeah. It's not because he's hurt. It's not because he plays really hard and needs a you know, a couple of you know sits on the bench real quick for plays. It's because he rolls a big blunt and can't stop smoking it. And this is going on like five years. Yeah, I mean, every, like two I mean, years. I mean, at what point are we just like, yo, enough Every enough. year you'll see, oh, Randy Gregory suspended again. What a surprise. I mean, come on. I, I lose track of it. I, I lose track of all of them. Lawrence, Irving, Gregory. It seems like somebody else is new is getting suspended for them every day. Zeke, want to throw him in there oh. too? Um, well, that. Yeah, I mean, no one's – yeah, that's different, yeah. obviously. Um, and, and no one's denying the talent that on that team. I mean, they've always got a lot of talent. Um, they're, they're pretty good at identifying that. And, you know, they're actually – they don't, I don't even think they get enough credit for for some of the draft picks. Um, I mean, Byron Jones was a good pick. Van Der Esch, obviously. They took a, a flyer on Jalen Smith after his horrible leg injury. That worked out. So, they've, they've you know, they've, made, they've drafted really well on the offensive line for years with Frederick and Martin and Jones. Um but just, you know, the, the inexplicable decisions to just 
ignore you know all the warning signs and all the dysfunction and the suspensions just like and that's where it comes into the fact like where i just think the eagles are a much better run organization than them just because they there's always a headache with dallas like yeah they're america's team and they're flashy they got stars they're talented and they're and they're good i mean obviously you know they're I mean, they're not great, but, you know, they're still a good team. They've been competitive for, you know, a couple of years now. But it's just always it, – it, you're not talking – you don't think football when you think Dallas Cowboys first. You think suspensions and dysfunction, basically. At least that's what I think, and I think that's what the large majority of the, of the country thinks too. Yeah, and I think it starts with their uh, their owner. Yeah, the judge, jury, and execution. And uh, Jason Garrett just clocking his hands aimlessly on the sideline. <laughs> the clapper yeah. baby uh bring him up for another five years too i know oh, man but it's i don't know how you sign a guy who's gonna you're literally guaranteed like he's gonna miss at least six to eight games at this point of season if he fails a drug yeah. test or doesn't show up to one uh it's it's i i don't get it i never will comical it's just you know that's the way it's gonna be as long as the joneses are running this thing yeah well I think that's enough NFL talk for this week. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I think we yeah we talked it. about you know a bunch of divas watching Dear John. We got that's <laughs> a good movie. Uh, man. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got the Dave Gettleman signing the old timer out of the retirement home, and then we got uh the Cowboys paying guys on for or giving money for paid suspensions to guys so. You know what? That kind of wraps up our week right there. <laughs> uh, hope you guys enjoy the games this weekend. Remember, just to kind of go back on it, I have Texas Tech and Virginia and Morris has the opposite and Michigan State and Auburn, so we'll see who's right come next time. Uh, enjoy them. You know, look out for Joker, you know, look out for JokerMag.com articles. Uh, we had a great one from Tyler O'Shea today on La Tortuga from the Minnesota Twins. I forgot what his real name is, but I know who he is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll have an article at some point this week coming out on Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen from the University of Kentucky. Uh, ah, defensive lineman Josh yes, Allen. Yes, yes. Well, linebacker, but linebacker's good. Uh, and then you know, so kind of keep posted to that, and then we'll have our. Uh, I don't know if they're a brother podcast, a sister podcast, a stepchild podcast. I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, look out for the other Sneaky Plays podcast on with uh, Dino and Joe Duffy talking about uh, baseball, everything baseball. They're all real good over there talking about it. Big baseball fans there. Joe's a Phillies fan. I don't know if you knew that, Morris. I did know that, yeah. I listened to their NL East one. I, I uh I got the feeling, and obviously he confirmed he was a Phillies fan. So, uh, you know, and the Rays off to a hot star for Tino. Uh, I think they're going to be five and one if they win tonight. I believe, and they were ahead three nothing last I saw. I mean, that was like two hours ago. But uh, you know, so kind of keep a lookout for that, and everybody have a good and safe weekend. This podcast was brought to you by JokerMag.com, home of the underdog.